Welcome to the Four Everyday Disciples podcast, where we share the good news of how much God loves us, how we respond in love to Him, and how we reflect His love to our neighbors. Hey friends, hi, and welcome to the Four Everyday Disciples podcast. I'm Giles. And I'm Zach. Wow, Zach. I have been fielding questions for quite a while about when are we going to do the next podcast? It looks like now. It looks like now. I feel like we have really left people hanging, but um, we're back. We're back. Maybe we'll call this the end of season one because we're coming to the end of the master plan uh, of evangelism. And so I'm excited to sort of wrap this one up and then we will get started into new stuff. Um, Next week, I also will share that we will... uh, have a short segment on the podcast where I'll play a conversation that Brandon Faust uh, from Wayfinders and I had sort of to, I think it'll be a good way to share for all of you about what's taking place. Uh, We've been sort of touching on that there's been some changes, some awesome things for the kingdom uh, that are going on, especially with uh, the discipleship movement. So I want to share that so we can all be on the same page. And I know people have been asking about if we're going to share it on the podcast. So uh, we will next week, there'll be a short um, about eight and a half minute uh, conversation that I will have had with Brandon that I'll, we'll put into the podcast for you guys. Um, that is short. Yeah. Well, for Compared us, our by yeah. the way, I think it was like 15 minutes and then all I did was cut out my parts and suddenly it was eight and a half minutes. So uh, I just, you know, it's much easier when you do an editing of a video to cut out your own things than other oh, people's true. stuff because you're like, well, nobody really needs to know that. After I've said it, I realize this was sort of a non-essential uh, conversation on my part. So I'll just cut it out. Um, I do want to give a shout out though, uh, because I know he will be listening. We have a fan that is two years old. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> and Welcome. There is actually, his name is Levi. And there is actually a video um, and maybe we'll even uh, maybe I'll put a maybe I'll upload it to YouTube and put a link. Uh, I'll ask permission first from his parents, but he is sitting in his living room playing with his train set. And his mom asked him, what do you want to uh, listen to or hear? And he says, I want to hear Giles. And so uh, so. She says, are you sure? He says, yes, I want to hear Giles. So put Giles on. So she plays the podcast because he likes to hear he likes to hear us, Zach. He loves your voice. Well, oh my goodness. He knows me, right? Because he's yeah. a child, he's a kid of our friends, but she shared that video. I just was about to die with laughter. I was Amazing. like, I was like, wow, getting indoctrinated at two years old. What kind of guy <laughs> is this guy gonna be, right? Oh, I can't wait to see you. Levi. Welcome. So glad you listened to the podcast. <laughs> He'll be so excited to hear his name, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm disappointed there hasn't been other people sending in videos now. He has set the standard. He has so what true fans are of this podcast. He has so set the standard. So I totally had to give a shout out to that because I awesome. We just were with them, and I said I am so going to share this on the podcast when we eventually do one. So well, yeah. Now I feel terrible. Gosh, we've let him down. <laughs> well, maybe like every other two year old, he just wants to hear the same thing over and over again. And by the way, 
nothing bad with that. If his mom can use our hour long podcast to uh, be able to get other stuff done because he's listening to us, well, then we've done our Indeed. we've done our duty. That's all I have That's to right. say. We've served the kingdom. So yeah, uh, where are we starting today, Zach? What's going on? Well, it's the season finale, I I think. Yeah, season finale. I like so, that. I thought maybe we needed to tie up. There was a loose end or that was kind of teased uh, back a few episodes ago. I can't even remember which one it was now, but uh, we got a lot of pushback about um, a certain dog episode. Yes. I think we, we probably even should have called it the one with the dog. <laughs> um, but uh, yes. but I, I had hoped that we could, whenever we did the season finale, we could maybe conclude the saga of my dog Bolt. And I could just let everybody know what was going on so that they didn't think maybe I was abusing my dog or anything. Because they haven't heard him in a while. Right. Yeah. Because there was a lot of hearing him and then no hearing him. (laughs) And uh, so I just wanted to let everybody know that my dog has um, issues, psychological issues. And so it's actually not a sad story, don't worry. Uh, But he can't be away from people. And so my wife had left. And so he had uh to be next to me but the door was closed to the basement where i was and he did great for about what 30ish minutes or so i think and then he just started whining to get in the door to be next to me um not even like that close he just has to like see people i don't know i don't get it but uh i'm not that way i'm totally different i would have been fine on my own but uh but he had to come in so that's why i and i couldn't get up because you were in the middle of a really good like thing. I can't remember what you're saying now, so it wasn't that good. But in the moment, it was that good. And I didn't want to like come back and be like, oh, what I miss? So like, and I thought we were so close to being done. Uh, so that's why we heard him whining. And that is the conclusion of the epic story of my dog, Bolt, oh. who is upstairs with my wife right now. So he's happy. Well, you know, I'm alive. Sh- I am sure that Levi is excited to hear the conclusion of that story because he's probably been wondering what happened to that dog, you know. um, Bolt is good. So Bolt is good. That is great. getting counseling. That is great to hear. Uh, So, yeah, I know that several of you know that I have, uh, Allison and I, we were in, we went to Kenya for a few weeks. Uh, There are several disciples out there. And so we really went out to sort of reconnect with uh, some of the individuals when we were missionaries for three years in Kenya, some of the individuals that we worked with, the ministry that we had current, that we had previously worked with there, but then really to see the graduation of 21 Kaleo disciples and just sort of see how they were doing discipleship. Uh, And we were very, very impressed. I'll touch on that a little bit as we get into this podcast, cause it ties in, but I wanted to say that that was something we did. So we appreciate all your prayers and um, it's just something I wanted to share to hopefully encourage all of you that, you know, that there are disciples all over the world uh, being made and having an impact in their community. So that was something that we really um, enjoyed experiencing ourselves and seeing and we wanted to just share that with you um, to continue to pray for them there as they continue to have an impact in their community and to make disciples. But the person of peace I wanted to share, you know, because we have our personal peace segment, 
is uh, his name is Victor, and he is actually the person who initiated discipleship within that community. Him and I have a relationship. I discipled him, and then he has taken that, and he has just had such an impact. Um, uh, As I said, there were 21 disciples that were graduating, and we had a graduation ceremony where over 150 people showed up pretty much most of the whole families, extended families of all the disciples, and then several other people from the community. Uh, The governor of the area showed up as well, uh, which was really neat and even said that he desired to be discipled. So that was sort of an exciting thing to hear. And it was because they have made such an impact in how they have been generous to their neighbors these disciples have been generous to their neighbors, how they have gone around and prayed over other people and that they have, that the governor himself has said that tensions in the area have diminished, that conflicts that were existing before several of them have gone away and that it has made his job easier because of the work that the disciples have been doing. So let's just say it's having an impact and we were really excited to see that. And there were so many things too, that we, um, feel like we learned that we hope to be able to teach all of you guys uh, about what it means to be a great neighbor and coming from a community concept or a very relational culture, hospitality culture. They just do so many things so well uh, in regards to that, that I think being from an individualistic culture that we're from, that we really struggle with. So I felt like almost like an infant seeing how advanced they are at relationship and community. And it just comes naturally to them because their culture sort of supports that. Uh, But instead of just saying, wow, this is intense, or I don't know how I can handle this. It was more of what can we learn? And so I feel like I really grew through that, but I wanted to share. It was really because of the work that Victor has done. So he is our person of peace because he is just making an impact there. He and his wife, Lucia, are just making a big impact in that community. And already they're going to be spreading to, there's two other communities they're already spreading the disciples to. So there'll be multiple movements starting in Western Kenya. So something we should all be excited about, continue to pray about. So I know that was a lot, Zach. I just wanted to share sort of that all in one story. Uh, Do you have any questions? Yeah. I remember when uh, when we first started talking, um, you sent me a, a video, I think, um, with Victor. So I've seen him. I haven't met him, but um, but they were just getting – there was a project they were doing back then. This was only a couple of years ago now, but they were um, working on getting, like, scripture mm-hmm. – translated but in like audio form to um to their village and like you were i can't remember all the process they were there was like a some website or something i think they found or i can't remember exactly but um but that's like this big project they were doing and you were telling me about it and it sounded so awesome so it's amazing um i mean i don't know if everybody's got that now but but from that first project to now like the governor coming and, mm-hmm. and spreading to other communities and like cultural impact that it's actually having like that's insane like imagine if we were doing that here i know and (laughs) it was really i think that was yeah that was the bible they did a audio bible project it was really neat and it had a lot of impact and we even met some of those people this time that have been impacted one of them was a there was a couple that we met 
one of them was a was a man that was actually in conflict uh with victor and okay. had actually uh gotten in trouble with the law and had been in jail uh victor <laughs> so just imagine this how mature this says an individual is victor bailed him out even though this was a guy mm. that he was in conflict with and wow. basically told him you need to be disciple <laughs> So this guy wow. started as a recipient of the audio Bible. Um, yeah. He has now, he graduated from discipleship. He is a totally transformed person. So much wow. so, this is even the more incredible part of this story. So much so that his wife, who grew up Muslim, has accepted Christ because oh of goodness. what she has seen the transformation in his life. Wow. So I just tell you, man, I mean, you hear stories like that and we were there and you're sitting in this guy's room and he's sharing the story. And then his wife gets up and just glorifies God. You're like, wow, uh, the gospel is powerful. And what do they have? They don't have like all the resources that we have that we always want to solve problems. They have prayer. And I think, uh, almost being in that situation, right? That true reliance on God without these false idols that we maybe have for reliance just allows you to see the gospel working in such a powerful way. And again, one of those things that really convicted me of how can we be dependent on God in such the same way? And how can we pray with power? We, we prayed before we left that this area that for four months there hasn't been any rain and in the country of kenya it's been four years that it's been basically in a drought we prayed for rain all of the disciples together we prayed for rain before we left day after we left it rained and it rained for like a few days and then now it's now it's been raining and so it's just cool like you're like do i in my life pray for rain do you see what i'm saying like is my dependency on such things as like God changed the weather. Like that's like a crazy prayer. When you really think about it, you're literally saying change something in the atmosphere. I mean, and then to watch it happen and just to see their faith as they prayed for those things. And just for me to say, God, are you this big for me? Um, Do I, do I believe, uh, do I have this kind of faith? And if I was truly in the, would I be able to be in a world where, I mean, they're praying for Ray because the fields are already turned over because that is how they survive is growing Mm. crops. Like it's Mm. not, they don't have all the things. Again, it's not like some weird things that we have somehow created. It's truly dependent on, you can't control the weather. So weather, so you better pray. And um, I don't know. It's just was really powerful to see such a great experience. And I'm, I'm so excited to just begin processing. How can we bring some of those things into the discipleship? How can we bring some of those things into our own communities and have that kind of impact? What are the kind of things that we can do to see that happen so that we can truly be a blessing in our communities to our neighbors and uh, bring, share who God is in a much more communal sense than just the individual. Right. Hmm. 
That's good. I, I do have a question. Yeah. It's a little it's a little bit off topic, but uh what was the what what was the best thing you ate there? What is Kenyan cuisine like? Well, I think in any culture one of the things I always love is the carbs. Yeah. <laughs> so typically like, the like bread type carbs. The bread. So they have this thing called chapati. And I know okay. uh which is their style of flatbread. So like in India, I know you have things like naan, right? Or right. just in different parts of the world, they have different versions of uh their flatbreads or you know, the breads you would have with a meal. Yeah. Uh, we probably in the Midwest, probably like a biscuit or, or like <laughs> dinner a roll. dinner roll. I love it. The dinner yeah. roll. Um, so that's one of my favorite things. I love the chapati. And so we got that okay. while we were there. So that was exciting. Um, Kenyan food. A lot of it is uh, chicken, uh, rice, um, beans, uh, they, of course, uh, well, they eat this thing called ugali, uh, which for the Western palate is a little bit hard to eat. Okay. okay. This is the stuff I want to know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how would I best describe it? I think I would describe it as. If, did you eat it? I did not because I've had it before okay. and I do not like oh, okay. it. And here, here's, but again, they love it. It's part yeah. of their, again, you grow up. It's like for us to say mac and cheese, you know, you grow up, you're right. like, it's for them, it's comfort food. Comfort it's something food. they love. Right. Um, basically what it is, is if I grew up in the South, so in the South, we have this thing called grits. I'm sure that okay. some, most of you know what it is. Uh, but when yeah. I grew up in the South, grits was like the thing. And when we moved to the North, nobody knew what grits were because it was right. just something right. that people did not eat. Well, grits is like ground up cornmeal. But I love grits. Now, the funny thing is, is ugali is basically grits. Okay. But that has been refined to such a point that it's almost like when it's made, it turns into basically, you can be confused because it looks like mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's like a solid form of grits. (laughs) Wow. And I have no, I have nothing to like, I can't even picture what this is. In my mind, when I have eaten it before, to me, it's basically like if you would, and again, I am not saying this because I'm not saying this to be offensive to Kenyans. I could get why they love it, right? Just right. like I would not be yeah, offended yeah. if someone said macaroni and cheese is something that is really disgusting to me. I would not be offended sure. because I would say, okay, if you didn't grow up with it, I could see how that could be sort of gross, like a bunch of cheese yeah. on some noodles, right? But cheese sauce, cheese slime. For me, it's sort of like the closest texture I've ever had was eating paste in fourth grade and <laughs> sort of like a lead balloon then in the stomach. I guess that's sort of the way I would describe wow. it. Does that does that okay. help any? Did you eat paste? Do you know what paste tastes like? I mean, you're saying paste. I'm thinking glue. Yeah, like, but like that you. thick, you know, like like the one that was almost like Play-Doh texture, though. Like that, it was like okay. a thick texture. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I didn't eat that. No. A little bit of glue, a little dot of glue on the finger, but but no. Uh, so it wasn't paste. a pleasant experience for me in fourth grade. 
So it's not a pleasant experience. I I just don't enjoy it. Now, I guess if I had grown, if I had grown up with it though, I'm sure I would love it because it would have been the food of my people. So I don't want to offend. I know that we have several (laughs) of our disciples in Kenya that listen to us. So this is not to offend. It's just letting you know that it's not my favorite thing. (laughs) So does that answer your, does that answer your question about the food? that's what I was looking for. Like what, like what would be something that would be totally other than what, what I, I would normally eat. And that sounds exactly like it. Yes. And now I think we should like, when we do video podcasts, we should have you eat it one time on, on camera. Is this, is, I think, cause you know, maybe this is a good idea. Is this where we're going to go? We've already told you several times. We don't know where this podcast is going to go. Is, is it going to be, <laughs> we're eating now we're food from different parts of the world and seeing if we can handle it. Do we need a segment? We might get more eyes. Foods, we might get more views. Foods of the world. We'll have a segment. Uh-huh. Can you eat this? Yes. Piece. Yes. Okay. I will I will eat the ugali, but you'll be the first one that's eating cockroaches or crickets. So I think I thought maybe you were gonna say something like that, and then I was like, Wow, you're you're a brave man. Oh uh, no. Uh but it's but here's nice. the thing. It's not I didn't it's not that I didn't eat it because I was just like, Oh, I'm not gonna eat uh yeah i've had had it it, so i it's just i don't like it so you've been polite i've been polite i've had it i just don't like it so if there's other options so and they're friends you know they they get it friends i don't like this i don't like this sorry they know exactly how american and how white i am so there was no there was no (laughs) problems um yeah if you came and said i don't want your mac and cheese i can't eat that i'd say that's fine there's more for me i i will eat your mac and cheese that's fine absolutely you know it's like and and they didn't they weren't making special stuff because i was there i guess that was the other thing too so well um nice then you're one of the family i'm one of the family you you know you go to bed hungry if you're not going to eat it go to bed hungry (laughs) that's that's um so so what are we talking about today well, we're going to talk about reproduction. That's what this uh, last chapter of Master Plan. Now that we're 20 minutes into it, let's get started on actually talking about what we've told people. But this is going to be a pretty quick one. I don't think it's overly long because it's sort of a wrap up of everything else that we've been sharing with you guys about the Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Right. But I like how, uh, so I. I wrote these notes, I think, a little while back. I'm trying to figure out. But I did. there is this cool thing about reproduction because one of the things about going out to Kenya was we were able to get to see the reproduction of the disciples. Um, and this is what Coleman's yeah. talking about is what is the ultimate goal for Jesus' disciples, right? Well, obviously, the ultimate, ultimate goal is that they would know Jesus. So this right. is obviously the ultimate goal. But that also that they would be able to share it with others. Um, so it's the it's the great commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was the ultimate goal. Well, the second part of that is obviously requires some reproduction. So that's where we get this reproduction. Uh, that his life, first of all, would be reproduced in them. Right? Imitate me as I imitate right. Christ, as Paul says. But then that they, as they go out would be able to share that with others, demonstrate that to others, reproduce that with others so that then more people would come to know him and then would imitate their life and walk in his ways. So this was the final commission of the great commission to go and do this. Um, And that this 
fruit would continue to multiply until the whole world would have the opportunity to know Jesus, to hear the message and know Jesus. I think, and uh, I think he referenced it in a few other chapters, um, and I think he references it again in this. But this uh, that strategy um, <clears throat> on the surface seems like it's not going to work very well. Like if you if you're if you're depending on future generations to, you know, the the further away you get from Jesus. Uh, can it be as powerful, you know, if it's not Jesus doing it, but the fact that the Holy Spirit is infused within, yes. um, within the strategy and within the hearts and within the multiplication, then, because um, I, I, I can't remember, there was, I'm pretty sure there was one chapter where he was talking about how it almost seemed silly for Jesus's strategy to be this way. You know, the Jewish people were expecting him to come with conquering armies and the kingdom was going to be set up in force and it was just going to be emphatically brought um, but Jesus said, no, I'm going to work through people's hearts and we're going to start out small, you know, 12, and then we're going to grow and we're just going to exponentially grow. And the power of the spirit is what keeps it just, you know, growing so much that even today we're still talking about it today that or the church is still going and growing and sending out disciples. So I, I think it's, um, I'm always fascinated by, by that part of the strategy too, how it seems like that's not the strategy I would have thought of, you know, <laughs> uh, but that's the strategy that works. Well, and, the, and that's what we're supposed to reproduce. The illustration I think that um, Jesus uses constantly in the gospels about the vine and then the claim that yeah. I am the vine. Right. Right. Uh, I just, <laughs> Allison and I have been watching this show <laughs> called American greed. I don't know. <laughs> By the I've way, heard- there are some dirt bags. Let me just tell you, there are people that are like dirt bags. And Allison and I, as we were watching it, we were like, there is a special place in hell for these people. Like, <laughs> but we watched this one just recently. And I think this is a great, I think, obviously, I'm, okay, I'm not, not going to say that the guy in the show is some representative of the gospel. I'm That's absolutely not. Total dirt bag, scumbag, you know. Uh, but what I will say was this American greed episode was about this guy that basically was rebottling these famous wines. So he was making, he was like mixing together like cheaper wines, rebottling them. And then these how these, uh, auction houses were selling these wines for insane amount of money to collectors. Uh, Yeah. So, but what was interesting is they are talking to one of the most famous vineyards in the world, which is in the Bordeaux region, right? This vineyard has been in the family since the 1800s. It is four acres of land. Hmm. So think about this, four acres. Yeah. At most, I think they said they make 8,000 bottles of wine a year from this vineyard. But what makes the wine so fantastic is that they have the same vines that they had back in the 1800s. That, that basically what makes wine good is the vines. So, and Mm -hmm. actually as they get older and older, if you have good, it only gets better. So, that's an interesting thing as you were just sharing about the gospel, right? Cause it's, it's this concept of 
this vine that we have, it actually can get better and better and better as we are going from generation to generation, if we are good stewards of it, because that was the other thing, the care that they take, that's why they don't expand too big. That's why they keep it within that four acres. The care that they have over these vines is they have to manage them. You're talking about hundred, you know, over a hundred year old vines. You have to manage those things pretty well. And then people will actually pay astronomical amounts of money just to get a cutting from a vine. So then think about that in relationship to scripture, right? Where he says, we're going to be, the Gentiles were basically fused in with the vine. People pay this thing because if you can then say, I have these vines, so you can transplant this part of this vine that's a hundred and some years, then your wine gets this like, credibility and legitimacy. Yeah. So I I was sharing that because I think it really talks about this reproduction. It talks about sort of tying into what you just said, that it doesn't go like the gospel doesn't get watered down because of the generations. It still holds the same power because of the spirit, because of what is in that vine. It still holds the same power today as it did in the time of the first apostles as they were walking out with once they were in viewed with the spirit because the spirit is coming from the same source so we have this ability to be and sharing to be sharing this incredible and i'll just use the term i don't know uh this incredible wine that god has given us through the spirit with all of those around us the best wine i don't know if you like that illustration i just thought it really tied in with what you were saying yeah, it, it, didn't Jesus talk about vines and wines and stuff like grapes and things like that? All the time, all the time. Yeah. And that, but then again, this makes it sort of relates it to look at today in the modern time and still how they consider it. It's the same as they yeah. would have considered it back in Jesus's time. So this makes the why was it a vine that he chose? Well, this is part of the reason yeah. why is because a vine by its very nature is over time, it actually just gets better and better and better with age. So um, the gospel is just getting better and better and better. And we should feel confident in being able to share it, that it has power because the spirit is constantly giving us this root of this 2000. Well, over that, right. If we go back to the, all the way through the old Testament, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years of a vine that God has, that God planted. Right. That, um, what you were just saying, I just had this thought before we started, we were talking about what we've been reading recently and how you said it gets better with age. And so I can totally see how like, like you hear the gospel and it changes your life and it's wonderful. Right. But then the more you spend time studying the gospel, the more you spend time studying who the God of that gospel is, um, it only does get better. (laughs) and better the more you learn um it's a simple message but it's so rich that it takes it can take you your whole lifetime obviously people do it to understand each note each tasting note if we're going to keep with the the uh the metaphor here um but like we were just talking about that how we've been we've been reading some stuff in the old testament and how it's just the the further you dig into the message of the old testament the more profound and wonderful tasting the gospel really is because you, I mean, I've been noticing things I've never, I never understood 
before or never thought about before or didn't see before and it just gets better like you said that's good this is the one about wine you know that's you know the one about wine you know it's funny too about what you just said as well i was just thinking you know if we just recorded that our first hours that we always talk to each other we would have double the amounts of podcasts we should just sort of have i would be happier maybe we should have like a uh what Patreon is that? What it's called? Like, oh yeah, the Patreon level that you guys can hear oh. the the hear the right. other conversations we have, uh, which a lot the of times are way level. more juicier because we're it's unedited. It's unedited, unedited gospel speaking. I guess no, I'm just I'm playing. Uh, but uh, yes, it's raw. it's raw. It's gospel in the raw. <laughs> uh, so. Um, Coleman claims in chapter eight that the Great Commission is a good summary of this final principle of reproduction. Can you break that down for us? How does the Great Commission summarize reproduction? Yeah, well, I I really like how um, I yeah, I really like that if we go through sort of the Great Commission, we can see these different aspects uh, that Coleman, you know, claims that we've, that if you break it out, there's actually these different aspects that can tell us how do we actually live it out in sort of like the active way. The first is all power. And this is sometimes when people share the great commission, they actually forget that Hmm. first part that Christ has been given all power, all authority and power has been given to me. And it says, Jesus has been given all power to rule and build his kingdom. So he has given us that power through the Holy Spirit. And just as we were talking about the vine, it's like we have that power within us because of the Holy Spirit. So we can have confidence that we've been given all power, not because the power is from some kind of specific training we have had or some kind of I'm specially gifted in this. It's that we all have been given that power. Now, how that power is going to play out is where I think we need to be obedient and to work on our disciplines of growing uh, with God in that so that we can handle the power uh, in the appropriate way. But we've all been given the power. So that's the first one is all power has been given. And that says go, right? Jesus tells, tells the apostles, go and make. So go, though, is discipleship takes movement, Right. We can't sit in our faith alone, waiting to go to heaven and never moving outside of ourselves. And I think that's, I have sat with a lot of people and believers, uh, people that are Christians. And when you get to talking about the Great Commission, I don't think they have a problem with the power. Like they understand that God they understand that God is powerful, right? I think they sometimes right. have, under, have a hard time understanding that they have been given it. That That is one thing. But the going is really a lot of times where the fear is. that Because mm. it's almost like they don't know the direction. And so they're waiting for a very clear cut. Um, <laughs> can I get my Google Maps about where I'm supposed to go, yeah. God? Uh, the light in heaven. Right. Go here, here. <laughs> but I don't know, if Zach, if you can speak to this yourself. But it's about taking those steps of faith. I don't, not so sure that you're going to be getting the final outcome of where you're supposed to go and do this. So I think yeah. it's just having that attitude of movement that I'm not going to sit around and 
just wait for this divine massive intervention which is going to like map out my life for me so i know which direction to take but maybe if i can just be going and being faithful in the small things mm-hmm. that god will build upon that and then i will suddenly realize oh i am going somewhere and i am doing something because there's movement and being a disciple just requires that movement in the new testament To me, if you read the New Testament and you actually like really think about it, they're walking like everywhere. Right. You never yeah, see. Always I mean, Jesus himself says, you know, I have no no place to lay my head. And we all we maybe like to take this as, well, he didn't own property. But I think there's also a thing that we need to understand about that is he's saying, I'm going to be on the move because God is on the move. So I think if our God is on the move, we need to be on the move. So go is discipleship takes movement. So don't sit there and just try to be comfortable. Um, that's not what faith is about. Faith is going to take some risk, but we're meant to walk. Think about children. We're meant to walk. Like we're meant to go. We're meant to move. Uh, the next one is make. So he's talking about making disciples. It says there is a process of building and developing that is required not only in us, but for others as well. How are we equipped to make anything? And we have to learn, right? By learning how to make it, by training or it being modeled, and by being equipped to do it. So how are we equipped? We're equipped through God's word, right? So we spend time in God's word. We're obviously equipped. We've been talking about this quite a bit. We're obviously equipped by the Holy Spirit, um, by God, by Christ, we're equipped by that. And then the other is we are equipped in relationship. Uh, so mm-hmm. we can learn from other people. This was also something Zach and I were talking about uh, before this podcast started was um, not only can we learn from other people that are like around us today. So like people that I am in relationship, like physical relationship with, we can have relationship with those that have gone before us. And that can be through books or those that are far away. That can be through books, uh, study. That can be a great way to grow as well because we are being trained and equipped by other people that have discovered things about the faith. And sometimes insights that we have been having maybe a feeling about or the Holy Spirit has been prompting us. And then suddenly now we have words because someone else has had the same experience with God and is able to share it. Uh, So those are different ways that we can make is that there's a building and developing process. It can't be just random. There has to be some intentionality to it. And can I just add a little to that? Absolutely. um, The part about in relationship and um, community. Um, like, um, like you're talking about earlier and the community of Kenya would be a great, the, the disciples in Kenya would be a great example of this, but, um, this is probably going to be an obvious observation, but it's something that continues to, uh, surprise me, I guess maybe not as much anymore, but whatever you think, you know, about God, whatever you think, you know, about the gospel, whatever you think it, it, it can easily, all of that gets challenged when you are in community, Mm -hmm. when you have to be in relationship with people who might think differently or or um have experienced something differently and so you might think you are the best builder the best uh you or you might have had the best training 
um, for something uh, in discipleship. But until you are with people and interacting with them, and uh, then then you start to get, and I think this is the Holy Spirit, you start to get refined, right? Iron sharpens iron, I guess. Um, that principle applies there. But you start to get refined, and, and then you really start to learn what, what you do believe <laughs> when you are in relationship with other people. So it's easy to sit back on your own and say, oh, yeah, I believe this, or I can do that, or Jesus means this to me, or or all that. But then, um, then when you have to, like, empathize with people or you have to go through something with somebody then you really understand or you have to see something from another perspective totally than how you would have viewed it um i think that is i think community is essential the relationship is an essential part of being of this making you know this making process Mm. this building and development process like if you are not at all ever in some sort of face-to-face relationship with someone you are uh maybe going to be handicapped uh not as uh not as well developed as you could be and uh for someone who loves to be by themselves and community isn't naturally where i would go um that is something that god has been showing me and uh, somebody who works as in ministry my goodness like what i thought was true about some things when you get down in with people where they are, like you realize real quick, it might be a little different than you thought. Oh, <laughs> which, but it's good. The Holy Spirit's shown me things that I wouldn't have known before. If I just sat back and said, Oh yeah, I, I, I understand that. Or, or I, you know, whatever about whatever issues, whatever issues people have. Um, yeah. Well, it's like, I think it's essential. It's really good because I, I think then that go and make right as we're tying those two together. I think I'll be humble here for both of us, right? Even in regards to discipleship, we have like intentionalities and plans and building. <laughs> you know, we have right. like these structures in place. But when you step into relationship, yes, you do need intentionality. I, I, I do not think that we should be just walking in chaos and assume that things are going to happen. But when, sure. So we do need intentionality, but it's like at the same time, God also is calling us to flexibility. And I think that that's this go and make. There is part of the sometimes the fear about the go is that the ideas have all lived in my head. Even my, the ideas about what it means maybe to be a disciple. It's lived in my head. There's this theory. I have this theoretical understanding even of scripture, that there's this theory that I have built. And what happens when I walk that out, right? Even with some intentionality and suddenly somebody does not respond the way that I assume that they're going to respond or someone challenges me or someone does these other things. That can be paralyzing. And the enemy wants us to be paralyzed sort of in the theory of God but not the practice. And so I think this go this go requires a practice element. This make requires the intentionality because all discipleship happens in relationship, just as you were saying. All discipleship happens in relationship. So you're not going to happen. It's not going to happen just in a room by yourself or just with a study guide. It's going to require relationship because of all of those other variables and what the spirit is trying to do. Uh, and when you read scripture, right, where two or more gather, I think that's also 
it's not just about like, this is a church service. I think this is about, this is where God is going to do work and make transformation within people. Yeah. And so again, we were talking about this community concept. We're bad at it. Mm. We can get it's so easy. We can get our faith right. In community. I mean, I can do 50,000 studies. I can put myself in, you know, we even promote and say, now I'm not saying this is wrong. It actually is right, but only partially right. We can sit and say, man, you know, it's about this uh, personal relationship with Jesus. There's nothing. Absolutely. Yes. You need to have a relationship with Jesus, but in scripture, whenever you're hearing prayers or conversations with God, it's like always based on community. That's always like communal. So where do we stand? Yeah. So where do I stand? Can we sit in places when we make, can we go and make, and then the next one's going to be disciples. Can we put ourselves in a position where we're putting ourselves out there as Zach even said he's sort of uncomfortable. You know, he's an introvert. I I may be a little bit more comfortable putting myself out there because I'm just a fool. You are. But uh <laughs> but but Zach to have watched how he's grown even in this about not just saying that I'm speaking from the pulpit and I'm sharing a message, but I'm gonna sit in with people as they go through as they share the uncomfortable things about their life and I'm gonna sit with them. That's because he's going and making disciples. It's going to be some discomfort in that, especially if it's something new. Um, so disciples is we need a process, right? Disciples, if we think about the other word that that relates to in the English language, discipline. We need disciplines. Although a lot of discipleship happens in the everyday, I think it happens in the everyday because you're talking about people that are <laughs> disciples and discipline. Um we need intention and steps for others to be able to be equipped to disciple, especially when we're talking about replication and multiplication. Right. If you don't have a step for someone, I can spend all day discipling someone, but they can't take that information and pass it on to someone else. I have to give them an ability to do that. So there's an intentionality to rep. Now here's the saying: I'm not saying that you can't disciple in other ways besides something that's replicate, something that's, uh, multipliable. But I would say that if you want to bear fruit and you want to see fruit bore, you're going to have to have something that's can be replicated. So you have to have some intentionality behind that. Yeah. And then that just, sorry, real quick, just ties back to when we were talking about go and people are like, well, I don't know where to go. Like if you have intentionality and steps, then you've given somebody a, a task to accomplish yes. a first step to take. Um, so oftentimes we get paralyzed because we, we just don't know what we should do. And if you've offered somebody a step, then that can be so freeing and powerful to then let them take the next step. Right. Well, I was so, thinking about you yeah. doing this discipleship group you just did. You, here's what I would say is you, Yes, of course, you maybe had some expectations and you had some ideas about what it was going to look like, right? Mm -hmm, For sure. But, and it didn't necessarily, in some ways it turned out more beautiful. In some ways there were things that were more difficult. But what I would say is where you felt like, well, I do have some confidence is you had a plan and a method and you had experienced it yourself and you had gone through it. So yes, you can't have what all the outcomes are necessarily going to be, but you knew that you put people that you gave the people that you discipled something that they can take and go forward with because you yourself did it. And so I think that that's something that this 
ability to have intentionality in discipleship is critical. Plus, once you start thinking about intentionality, what does that also lead you to? Again, more and more knowing God. Because if I think about where we even started even doing this and some of the mistakes that (laughs) I made, thank goodness for the grace of God, but it's things that I then went back to the drawing board and said, is this what we want to replicate? Is this something we want to multiply? Is this something of the kingdom? Or is this something that's not bearing fruit that needs to be pruned away? So it doesn't mean that there's not going to be changes and that it's not going to develop. It just means there has to be some kind of framework if you're going to have multiplication. So the next one is all nations. And of course, we got to experience this ourselves, seeing the disciples in Kenya, which was awesome. It may be across the world, such as the disciples in Kenya are, but the reality is, for most of us, it's outside our back door. All nations means all nations. And if you, again, read about where were the disciples to go, he says what? To uh, Judah, right? Mm-hmm. Samaria. And guess what Judah was? Guess where Judah was? Where they were. <laughs> backyard. So it was their backyard. It's like saying, right. it's like saying, go to Indianapolis. It's like saying, go to Connellsville. It's, it's your backyard. Yeah. That's what, yeah. right? Yeah. But then he right. says, of course, to the ends of the earth. So he says, wherever you go, you go and make disciples. But, you know, you don't have to wait for a mission trip. Or wait to say, hey, we're going to go to this specific thing to do discipleship, to be making disciples. You have the opportunity every day to be making them because all nations have been what we have been called to. And even the, I think if you're within a church community, you might even be tempted to say, well, this is good. I don't need to, you know, we're all Christians here. Let me go find someone somewhere that's not. But even like where you are with other believers. Can, can need to be uh, need to have the Great Commission given to them. Need to have the gospel preached to them. I mean, all the time we need it constantly, and we need to. Uh, so even you know, don't let that. I think sometimes, at least I guess in my own thinking, there's been times where like, well, you know, I everybody I know is a Christian, so I don't need to worry about them. I got to go find someone who's not a Christian, but that's tough because where do I do that? But so like, but even people who know Jesus still need discipled. We sit <laughs> it's here. A constant- Yeah. I mean, you and I sit in a relationship all the time where we're discipling each other. We sit in a relationship all the time where we are sharing new, right? New good news that God has revealed to us with each other to help each other continue to grow in our relationship with God. That's discipleship, people. Like that's, we've had an intentional. Yes, we've had a very intentional with each other, but we constantly are still being intentional about growing in our own journey so that we can be sharing with those that are on the journey around us. And so it, right. it, it, you, just as he said, who's the person sitting next to you at church? Yep. Is that someone in your family? Do you, is that someone you're being called to disciple? Is it someone you've never met before that it happens to have sat down there that day? Don't make an assumption that we've all somehow reached a place because I can guarantee you that anybody that's being honest with themselves right in this moment is saying, wow, there's a lot of areas I still need to grow in my relationship with Christ. So why would we not think that God is providing resources even around us that are sitting right around us that can be great resources for that? Um, and then, I mean, this sort of relates to the next one. We love to use baptizing, right, as a sort of a singular moment, which there is a moment of recognition. But really, it's about 
being folded into the family of Christ. Unlike our own families, these are dynamic, right? So this is a, again, a growing process uh, of sharing the fullness of Christ in relationship. Just like what we were talking about right now, we, yes, there are people that are at those initial stages where we're going to have that physical representation of baptism, which is awesome and is, is by scripture deemed for us to do. But the reality is we're either always going to be baptizing others in the name of Christ or ourselves being re I wouldn't say like, it's not like we need to be re-baptized, but Jesus talks about washing the feet. He talks about, there is a process where we're going to continually be able to cleanse those around us. Um, and we don't need the head wash because we already went through that experience of acceptance of Christ, but we need to be constantly, uh, walking with others, offering them Jesus over and over again, even those that we see, we think are the strongest in the faith. Have you not, Zach, have you not experienced this even in the kind of care that you guys as a staff need to have for each other within the church environment, even with the lead pastor that you have to be encouraging and feeding and helping feed even him? Have you felt that yourself? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 2020 felt like a big, big opportunity in a massive time to offer foot washing, cleansing of, of, uh, of, of, um, fellow staff members just because of all the ways people were getting beat up about trying to make a decision, just even making little decisions about what to do. Um, everything seemed either like the wrong decision or, or it was so tough to make, you know, so just having to encourage each other is a constant, constant thing and, uh, and definitely part of baptizing. And so the people that have walked through these stages, right? The next natural thing is going to be teaching (laughs) because if you have experienced these things, you're now knowing these things, you're growing in these things, you're going to want to teach other people. So we teach what we know. And in a lot of ways that should be encouraging, but a lot of ways that should be humbling. (laughs) Because again, yeah. as I was saying to him, right. some things I taught back even just a couple of years ago, I'm thinking back to, and I was like, yeah, I really hope mm-hmm. this Holy Spirit was in the room, giving different words to that people, because I'm not sure that I was teaching them something that now I even, you know, am so sure of. And I know Zach is the exact same way in his own growth process of, I taught these things back then. God, give me grace, have grace on the people that I taught them. But I can think of exactly what it was and who was in the room. But right, we were we're still called to teach. He says we're called to teach. So right. we need to do that. But effective discipleship, I truly I truly believe this. I truly believe this because I have seen it over and over again. I've seen ineffective discipleship and I've seen effective. Effective discipleship requires a disciple in the room. It is why even with our own process we share with people, do not disciple until you've been discipled because we truly believe it requires a disciple in the room. This causes actually some early stress. Um, This is not a quick and easy and convenient. Um, There are some great resources, by the way, we use a ton of them in our discipleship uh, process. There are some great resources by a lot of great individuals who have dedicated a lot of time discovering ways to disciple and equip and disciple I could read those books till I'm blue in the face. Sure, I may have some growth, but boy, sitting in a room with someone 
who knows those things, who can tell me how it plays out in a life, what it looks like. That's where real discipleship takes place. Um, but it takes time because relationships take time and there are stresses and there is a humility <laughs> because I love to think that I'm such a genius. And then I sit with people and then I don't always get the affirmation or recognition. I, I rarely get the affirmation, probably because I'm not a genius, but I like to think that you I am. Great. But, you great. Uh, but so it takes time and it takes humility, right? And it takes teachability to even be a teacher because you're constantly even learning from those around you. But it does take a disciple in the room because, again, we're trying to develop something multipliable, not something that's a one-off. Right. And then at the end of the day, you know, um, we are to love and be obedient, uh, Jesus. I think this is, and as disciples, we are to do the same in our lives. So Jesus very clearly demonstrated to his disciples what it meant to be obedient to God in all ways. Um, mm. He didn't just live it. <laughs> here, 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 here's another, here's another reality, guys. I have, and again, I'm not saying that people don't recognize Jesus within you, but I have heard so many times people make this proclamation of, well, I'm not going to really share the gospel. I'll just let people see how I live. Um, did Jesus do that? I'm pretty certain that he, there was a lot of talking going on and a lot of teaching about obedience that Jesus did with his disciples. So shouldn't we do the same things? Um, and that was everything. It was like how he obeyed in all things. He was constantly showing them or explaining to them or demonstrating to them. Yes, of course, you're with Jesus. You're seeing God in action. They were witnessing that. There's no doubt, but he was always explaining what the God mean by things and teaching about obedience. So at the end of the day, we are to be obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ, who was obedient to his father. If he gives us a commission, we can't separate ourselves from it. So it may sound scary, but this is where we trust that God is working and that he is developing disciples who will make disciples so that you'll feel more confident about that. Um, so who are those people that you are being called to? Since most of you listening are disciples or have been discipled, who are those people that God's calling you to, right? And if you're not currently discipling them, how can you begin to disciple other people? Because we've all been called to the Great Commission. So that's sort of really the eight steps. What do you, what, what do you, I think that sort of synthesizes everything that we have talked about from the beginning Certainly. of this. I think we, Listen, if you have listened to all these episodes and you still don't understand discipleship and the Great Commission, um, I don't know. Let's listen to them again. I'm going to go back and listen I'm to gonna, them again. I'm going to listen to them again and we will pray for you. Uh, so, Zach, I want to ask you a question. So thinking about all of this, where do you think that um, since I've been talking a lot, I want to sort of get your input on this. Where do you think that we have failed, though, um, in discipleship? Where have you seen it fail? Yeah. Uh, I think well, you talked about just, you just talked about how it's a long process. And I think I, I'm tempted to say, well, this is a, like a today problem, but I think it's a human mm. problem. So I think it's always this case is that we want to see results very quickly, or if we don't see results, um, even maybe in a, length of time then we start to we we 
lose faith or we or we're like well it's just not it's just not it's just not working let's pa- let's pause real quick there because i think let's <laughs> i like how you said for a long time well let's 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 think about how long that we've even seen this story take place right in the garden hmm. knowledge of good and evil shortcut mm-hmm. right right jesus said god said walk with me i'm gonna be with you in the garden every day they would have discovered everything like if they didn't know what they would have discovered it number one uh I, I think one of the greatest examples in scripture of this is how quickly from the declaration of covenant with Moses, <laughs> what he went up to go, how quickly were they casting and making a idol, golden idol? <laughs> it was simultaneously. <laughs> like he's up there, like taking care of the business, right? Like, <laughs> As soon as he turned his back, they're like, oh, let's do so this. I think, I think you're right on about saying it's not just a problem today. This is just in general, a problem with us as, as humans. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yes, ex- exactly. The, it's a marathon, not a sprint is probably really too cliche, but that idea that following Jesus really is lifelong not and expecting i don't even know how to say this when there's not a mountaintop for lack of a better word experience going on all the time then we're really tempted to say i'm not you know there is no relationship or 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 or, or i've I've messed it up or or something's wrong or there's a, a disconnect going on but I don't see Jesus and and I don't see Robert Coleman and I don't see anybody else talking about who talks about true discipleship. I don't see them talking about this uh, in a, this process being quick, easy, always on a high feeling, Mm. always full of adrenaline, always. I mean, we've talked about it already with the disciples. Um, They went out and they had some great things happen they experienced some miracles you know the power of the spirit they came back and immediately they forgot and they went back to, to right to having trouble trusting and jesus was like guys come on I, you know haven't you figured it out yet but then he didn't stop walking with them he didn't turn them away and being committed to the process um for the long haul and tr- being able to trust here's what i think can make this possible for people who like want results now understanding that the character of god is one who at the drop of a hat doesn't change uh when things go wrong doesn't back out the same god who while his people are worshiping a golden calf is making a marriage covenant with them and says you know what i'm not i really am angry right now but i'm not going to destroy you because I love you. Mm. Learning to really trust that God can, I think, be the fuel that keeps you going. Even when you're in a stretch maybe where you don't feel like something big is happening or or when you don't feel like a disciple, maybe that's what it is. Because I don't know. We talk about the word disciple and, well, I don't feel like that. Well, that same God who's with you no matter what, He's saying, well, will you continue to trust in me? And if you're able to do that, if you're willing to do that, then you, whether you feel like it or not, you are a disciple. Um, mm. So I think that we fail when we think we have to have it all right now, or when we even say, well, there's a timeline I got to be, I got to, I got to make it by and not have the wisdom to say, well, 
you know, maybe my journey is a little slower than your journey, but where is the fruit? You know, can I, can I see the fruit? Can I point to the fruit? Um, and if you can't, then maybe you do need to do something different. But at the same time, if you can point to fruit in your life, be, be encouraged by that. And, and and then just take the, take this next step with God. Who's like saying, you know, come on, let's take this next step. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not sending you away. Um, I don't know. Does that? No, it's really good. And I, I, and I just even want to speak this as a word of encouragement for some individuals out there that I know. Um, one of the things is, is that, you know, we run an eight month discipleship. So it's eight months. It's a, it's, it's long, bright by Western, standards of program or process or programs right if a church was like we're doing an eight-month thing that would be there could be like a lot of (laughs) what what, a lot of fear right um no way but even that what i want to say is is that at the end of that we still have sometimes individuals um that even haven't had that breakthrough haven't had this massive breakthrough the truth is it is a lifelong process the truth is that i hope that at the minimum, what an individual would be able to get through eight months is that they would be able to establish maybe some habits and disciplines that would teach them perseverance sort of in that journey, as you said, uh, that they would be able to be with other believers and to see growth and to experience vulnerability and to walk through those things. And then the third is that they've had the ability to read through the full new testament and really try to understand what god is trying to share with them and how he's trying to grow with them through it but i would tell you don't think that at the end of the eight months even that you're there um right jesus spent three years easy to do right jesus spent three years right of intense time with the disciples just like living with them I, i am not living currently with anyone except for my wife that I'm discipling. Oh, that was a big news. No, no. News break. No, 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 no. Um, like Zach and I, we don't live with each other in the way that the disciples would have been living with each other, uh, with Jesus. Right. And, and yet he spent three years and they still had a lot of areas where they needed to grow and they struggled. And then it took yeah. the rest of their lives even. And these are the apostles to walk out and live out their faith. It took Moses his whole life. Um, so I think that what they did do, though, and I think this is the key element for us to learn, is what they did do is they made a determination. Hmm. They made a determination that they wanted to know God better, and they made a determination that they were going to do the kind of things that would, they were going to establish and do the kind of things that would help that happen. And I think that, right. I hope that through Kaleo, uh, that even if you feel like you have not had, like, right, even if you feel that you have not grown maybe the way that you thought that you should have grown, maybe you had an expectation for something, um, that you can at least know that, you know, you've been set up in a way that will help you grow as a disciple and that you will continue to, even if you uh, lose some discipline sometimes or fall out of this certain things, you have established those habits before and you, you can, you can build those things back up. And I know Richard Foster, uh, celebration of discipline. It's a great book. Uh, but one of the things he says about the disciplines is the disciplines, we're not earning something with God by doing the disciplines. 
by being in your Bible every right. day, you're not earning something with God. Yeah. Um, right. But what you are doing is you're developing that marathon as, as Zach shared, you're developing that marathon habit. And so let's think about that. All of these things about what we have been talking about to the end, even reproduction. One of the beauties of reproduction is guess what? When I reproduce and I'm about to, when I reproduce, when I make disciples, which breaking breaking news. Yeah. When I make disciples and this is what, and when Zach is making disciples, right? Zach was discipled. He goes and then he makes disciples. I am sure that he's already planning on making disciples going and doing that again. I know that I have a couple that are starting again. I'm just finishing up some discipleship groups, but here's the reality for me. I get to continue in the disciplines in the practice of growing to know God. So making disciples, even if you feel like I haven't reached all there when I was discipled, helps you grow more and more. And Zach, has that not been your experience? Like, do you not feel like as you went and made disciples that you learned a whole bunch of new things about who God is and you continue to grow and now you're even looking forward to it again because you know that that's, that it's not just a reward for other people. It's actually a gift to you as well. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, I mean, instantly (laughs) within the first few sessions of leading my own, I was like, I, just feeling so many different emotions because it was feeling so different. And I was, and I was being prepared for what I needed to learn or what God was going to lead me through um, in this group, which was similar in ways to when I was being discipled, but different in so many ways too. Um, And it just, at first it was kind of like a shock (laughs) Cause I kind of just expected it to feel like, like when I was being discipled, but, but, uh, but, but it didn't, it didn't feel that way. And then I was a little worried, like, Oh, is this, you know, is is the magic lost? Is something Mm -hmm. gone? But then, um, one of the things I learned was that this group, this discipleship experience for me was going to be different and not bad, but good, different, you know, a, a different thing. And then it opened up things for me to learn that I didn't realize I needed to learn before. Um, and after the first 32 weeks where I was being discipled, I would have thought, well, there's, gosh, there's nothing else I need to learn. I just went through this. And we just, I just learned everything. But then no, there, there was, there's, there's more to learn. And so I'm excited, a little scared yeah. to see what I need to learn next in, in, in my next group. And it's going to be a totally different dynamic. I already know that um, from, from this past one. Um, so it's exciting uh, and, and heavy, uh, but it's, I mean, I can't say anything, but that must be the Holy Spirit working. And then at the end of the day, I thank God that that's true, that the Holy Spirit's working, <laughs> that this isn't like man-made feelings time. You know, this is like God working through God showing me what I need to do to follow him more. Oh, that's really good. I think that'll tie us up for today. It just goes all back to the all power. Jesus has been given all power to rule and build his kingdom. And then he has given us that same power through the Holy Spirit. So let's just take that with us as we go and uh, as we complete uh, season one. We're just going to call it season one. We're done. Um, I love it. And we will be uh, commencing with season two, hopefully quicker than the last two episodes of season one. But I'm excited for season two. But uh, thank you all. We wanted to just sort of wrap up with Coleman's Master Plan of Evangelism. Just such a great way to 
show us how the disciples lived, how Jesus walked with them and how he taught them. And I think it's just lessons that we can take and just live out in the everyday. Um, and so grateful for this season with you guys, grateful for all of you listening, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.